Uh, we're broadcasting on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network, and our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. We're also broadcasting on 910 AM Superstation WFDF right here in Detroit. All right, so uh, there's a lot going on, and later in the show also we're going to give you uh, an update on the uh, subway shooting um, in uh, Brooklyn, okay, uh, in the Brooklyn area. Uh, that's a tragedy there, so uh, we'll give you an update uh, on that also uh, later in the show. Um, so far, there's a, uh, a, there's a search for uh, a person of interest uh, right now. The, uh, our main topic uh, today, I want to talk about the uh, State of Black America report from the National Urban League that uh, came out today. Okay. Uh, Mark Marial, um, who is the president of the National Urban League, he was making his rounds on uh, different media outlets. He was on CBS News. He was on um, CNBC today, the Squawk Box on CNBC. Uh, other media outlets, uh, thegrio.com has an article about this, cnn.com, uh, also uh, NBC News um, as well. Okay, so uh, the, the majority of the show, we're going to deal with the State of Black America Report 2022 that just came out today. It's an annual report from the National Urban League. I usually read each year, I read at least the executive summary of it one year, I even ordered the full report, but uh, now I think most of it is in, in digital download format PDF, so you can get it from their website. Uh, th this article here, National Urban League says the state of black America is grim, figures on black health disparities, wealth inequality, and more change, quote, change so little and so slowly, said National Urban League President Mark Murrayal. Okay, so we're gonna talk about this. There was a really good article. I posted the one on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network from um, CNN today, because the article from CNN, uh, one of the things that the uh, State of Black America Report 2022 looks at is the attack on voting rights. The attack on voting rights which is crucial. You know, we've talked about that here on this show. And I've talked about how Republicans are trying to take us back to uh, the Mississippi State Convention of 1890, where uh, the white supremacists uh, in Mississippi rewrote the, the state constitution and imposed poll taxes and literacy tests to suppress the African-American vote. And this is exactly what's taking place right now. So um, and, and they're not just uh, attacking the African-American vote. Now they're attacking the vote of Latinos. Asian Americans, Native Americans, et cetera, all right? Uh, and, white, and white people, young white people, young white college students, white people who uh, lean uh, democratic, all that is under attack. All right, so on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct your own behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. Okay, so if we look at this first article here, we're going to clip number one from CBS News in just a second, uh, Shakita. We're going to squeeze this in before the break. So if we look at uh, this first article, NBC News, this is uh, picked up from the Associated Press. This is from Tuesday, April 12, 2022. 
Okay. National Urban League says the state of black America is grim. So the National Urban League released its annual report on the state of black America on Tuesday and its findings are grim. The this year's equality index, this year's equality index shows African-Americans still get only 73.9% of the American pie white people enjoy, 73.9%. While African-Americans have made economic and health gains, they slipped farther behind white Americans or European Americans, if you will, in education, social justice, and civic engagement since this index was launched in the year 2005. A compendium of average outcomes by race in many aspects of life, it shows just how hard, it shows just how hard it is for people of color, especially African-Americans to overcome systemic racism, the civil rights organization says. Mark Morial in an interview uh, today said, these numbers change so little and so slowly. What it tells me is that this institutional disparity, this institutional disparity based on race seems to be built into American society. So we're talking about structural racism. You've heard me say numerous times before, racism is not about not, not liking people, calling people racial epithets, calling people names, calling people the N word and things like this. Racism is a system of advantage and privilege distributed based upon race. Racism is a system of advantage and privilege distributed based upon race. Racism occurs when one race of people control the majority of the wealth, power, resources, privileges, benefits, land, access to education, access to opportunity, and they use this to marginalize, subordinate, and do harm to another race of people. This is what racism is. And this is for the purpose of preserving genetic white survival on a planet that's less than 10% European. This is, this is what this is about. OK, so the, the, the attack on critical race theory is also an attempt is also part of preserving white supremacy. This, this attack on critical race theory and and the GOP conservatives putting everything that they don't like uh, discussions about race and slavery and white supremacy and white privilege, civil rights movement, things like this, putting this all under this umbrella that they call, that they call critical race theory. That's not critical race theory. Critical race theory is a legal, anal, a, a legal analysis to understand how laws and policies continue to perpetuate white supremacy and racism. Critical race theory is taught basically in law schools, graduate schools, a little bit at the undergraduate level. It's not taught in K through 12, okay? What you have is you have many people who see they have a declining population the 2020 census showed that white people dropped below 60% as 60% uh, of the overall U.S. population for the first time since 1790. They dropped down to 57%, okay? And, and we know demographers are telling us that by the year 2043, America, white people will no longer be the majority population in this country. So you have these culture wars that are being waged, and you have people who fear, you have some white people, not all white people fear this, but some white people fear becoming a numerical minority in this country because they know they have mistreated the quote unquote minorities in the country, okay? And they're afraid that what goes around comes around. This is what some people fear. Now, all white people don't fear this and you know don't engage in that, but some of them do. 
So this is what we're dealing with. All right. Now, the index shows not only that median household income for African-Americans at $43,862 is 37% less than uh, white median household income for uh, uh, at $69,823. Median is this is the point where 50% of the population that you're measuring is above that point. 50% of the population is below the point. Median gives a, it's a statistical measure that gives oftentimes a more accurate measurement than the average because the average can be skewed by outliers, by uh, way out numbers that are outliers that would skew the average in one direction or another direction. So median is a more accurate measurement. The index shows not only that median household income of African-Americans at $43,862 is 37% less than that of white median household income at $69,823. African-Americans also are less likely to benefit from home ownership, the engine of generational wealth in America. We've talked about numerous times dealing with not just home ownership issues, but also appraisals and discrepancies when it comes to appraising the value of homes. We look at the uh, Brookings Institute in their study. Andre Perry uh, led this study for the Brookings Institute and African-American um, households are valued at $156 billion less than white households. The average African-American home is valued at $48,000 uh, less than comparable white homes. This adds to uh, the generational wealth gap. You're talking about collectively our house, our, our homes having a value of $156 billion less. And we look at the, the, the racism when it comes to appraising homes. Now, what has happened in, uh, uh, we talked about it here on this show, is that the White House has launched an initiative to deal with the racism when it comes to appraising the values of homes. And we've seen numerous stories where you've had African-Americans who had a white friend sit in for them and pretend to be the homeowner. And they took down all the African art. They took down the, 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 the books dealing with Dr. W, uh, Dr. W. B. Du Bois and Dr. King, all that stuff, put up pictures of white family members, et cetera. And then the home value, of the uh, of the home is appraised two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars more than the previous appraisal. This contributes to that generational wealth gap. Okay, all right. So let's continue here. So, so census shows that African American couples are more than twice as likely as whites to 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 be denied a mortgage or a home improvement loan. We talked about Wells Fargo and how a, a huge percentage of uh, people who were trying to get African-Americans who were trying to refinance a home mortgage through Wells Fargo were denied. And it was something, if I remember correctly, I think it was something like 79%, something it was in the 70s. And Wells Fargo had the highest denial rate. Wells Fargo, it was more than 50%. I got to pull up the article. Bloomberg had about a 30-page article uh, on this. Uh, dealing with Wells Fargo. We talked about it here on this show. Um, 
I'll pull up that information uh, as well, get you the, the correct number. But Wells Fargo, um, and, and it looks like there may be a Senate investigation into this as well. Okay, the big take Wells Fargo left black homeowners behind. This is from uh, Bloomberg, and uh, this is March 11th, 2022. We talked about this story here on the African History Network show because we deal with real content here. All this gossip and this nonsense people want to talk about, we, we don't deal with that stuff here. We do like real topics, all right? Um, uh, the percentage of, let's see, 40, the percentage of black homeowners who were approved for a mortgage refinancing with Wells Fargo in 2020, only 47%, yeah, 53%, 53% were denied. And that's that's um, refinancing their home mortgage, okay? So this is not getting a mortgage. These are people who already have a mortgage. Uh, 53% were denied refinancing uh, through 53% uh, of African-Americans who tried to refinance their home mortgage through Wells Fargo were denied. Uh, check out this article here from Bloomberg.com. It's a huge report. Black homeowners are left behind by banks again, March 11th, 2022. And they show here uh, 47% percent the percentage of black homeowners who were approved for a financing with wells fargo in the year 2020 we'll continue all this on the other side of the break and uh we'll let you hear uh mark moriel's comments today about the state of black america 2022 listen to the african history network show right here on 9 a.m superstation wfdf i'm michael m hotel we'll be back in a few minutes jeanette davis is a well-established author with six published books Black Survival in White America from Past History to the Next Century was published in 1995 and it delves into the history of African Americans before slavery up to contemporary times. The Great Divide Between Blacks and Whites was released in 2008 and her autobiography, Black Just Like My Mama, was published in 2010. Soulful Journey, the Business of Beings was released in December 2021 and her two latest books, Echoes from the Heart, Love Throws Poetry, and Master Being Human were both published in January of 2022. Jeanette Davis' writings delve deeply into the psyche of black people from ancient to contemporary times. She cuts no corners and leaves no stones unturned in relating truth letting the chips fall where they may on both African and European doorsteps. Order Jeanette Davis's books today at Amazon.com. Search for Jeanette Davis and get to know her work today. The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry. It's larger than the art world. And I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre. I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Notori Naughton reached out to me. She's like, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time. 
African History Network show. We deal with current events in history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Unfortunately, many people confuse what racism is. Racism is a power structure. It was laws and policies that put us in this predicament. It's going to be laws and policies that take us out. And when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you can control the compass of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. We have it all on 910 AM Superstation. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Tuesday, April 12th, 2022, and we are live. Okay, call in numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call in number if you have a question or comment. All right. Um, so right before the break, we were talking about the State of Black America uh, report 2022 from the National Urban League. And we were talking about uh, the discrepancy when it comes to uh, median household income and home ownership as well. Okay. Census data shows African-American couples are more than twice as likely as whites to be denied a mortgage or a home improvement loan, which leads to just 59% of the median home equity white households have in just 13% of their wealth, just 13% of their wealth. In that area of wealth, we've seen almost no change, none since the civil rights days. Mark Muriel said the wealth disparity has gotten wider, wider, W-I-D-E-R, wider. Now, uh, I mentioned the uh, Mark Moore, I mentioned the um, uh, Brookings Institute and the study dealing with um, African-American homes being valued at $156 billion less than comparable white homes. If we look at um, this article here from, this is from curbed.com, C-U-R-B-E-D, curbed.com. You can also just Google the Brookings Institute and um, search for it as well. Uh, this is called how a segregation tax is costing black American homeowners $156 billion. Now this is real money. Okay. How a segregation tax is costing black American homeowners $156 billion. A new Brookings Gallup report finds residential property in majority African American neighborhoods is consistently undervalued. Now, this is from November 27th, uh, 2018. Uh, let's see. According to uh, the name of the report is called The Devaluation of, of Assets in Black Neighborhoods, The Case of Residential Property. Okay. The Devaluation of Assets in Black Neighborhoods, The Case of Residential Property. Now, according to the report, owner-occupied homes are undervalued by the real estate market across a majority African-American neighborhoods and consistently sell or are appraised or are appraised for lower prices at an average of $48,000 per home, at an average of $48,000 per home. Nationwide, this amounts to $156 billion in cumulative losses for African-American homeowners. 
what the report from the Brookings Institute calls a segregation tax. Okay, so let's go back to the article from uh, uh, NBC News dealing with, let's increase the size of this here, okay? Um, the, the, the devaluation of assets in black neighborhoods, the case of residential property, okay? Uh, so let's go back to the article here from uh, NBC News. All right, let's go back to this here. Okay, National Urban League. Okay, so among dozens of health measures, one stands out. Life expectancy has declined slightly for African Americans. Uh, so a black child born today can expect to, to can expect to live to forty seven point seven years, four years less than uh, than a white baby. And lifelong inequities loom. African-American women are 59% more likely to die as a result of bearing a child, 59% more likely to die as a result of bearing a child, and 31% more likely to die of breast cancer. African-American men are 52% more likely to die of prostate cancer. Overdose, overdoses afflict the races about uh, equally while white people are 55% more likely to drink themselves to death through cirrhosis or chronic liver disease, among 15 to 24 year olds, white people are more than twice as likely to commit suicide. White people between 15 to 24 years, years old, white people are more likely to commit, twice as likely to commit suicide, uh, while African-American men are nine times more likely to die by homicide. By homicide. Okay, uh, I want to go to this clip here. This is uh, Mark Muriel this morning on CBS News. Let's go uh, to clip number one, Shakita. Well, today, the National Urban League is releasing its 2022 State of Black America report. Under siege, the plot to destroy democracy looks at the yearly equality index, which shows how black Americans are doing when it comes to economic status and education. And it also addresses election integrity and racial equality. So joining me now to talk more about the report is National Urban League President and CEO Mark Morial. Uh, Mark, it's really good to see you. Uh, a reminder to That's our CBS really. viewers that uh, Mark is also the husband of CBS Saturday Morning co-host Michelle Miller. Um, so I actually always look forward to uh, this report. It's just a very interesting snapshot of where we are, not just black Americans, but where black Americans are is where the country is at as well. Um, so let us talk about the Equality Index and how it's calculated. So the Equality Index, good morning, thanks for having me. The Equality Index looks at about 300 sets of data. Uh, and for, and for, to illustrate, it compares black unemployment to white unemployment, black homeownership rates to white homeownership rates, black median income to white median income, graduation rates, college matriculation rates, death rates, a range uh, of statistics and compares the condition of the status of blacks to whites. Uh, as uh, the screen indicates, uh, the current index is at 73.9. Most of this data, uh, I would caution everyone, uh, precedes uh, the COVID effect. So we won't know for another two years the impact that COVID really has had on disparities in American life. Did it exacerbate?
exacerbate them, that they remain the same, have conditions improved. Uh, and the reason why this index is so important is because discussions about race, racial justice, economic justice, the condition of America ought to be based on some facts, a factual predicate. And that's what this provides. Uh, and the report is free and available to everyone. We took another tack this year and focused on a single issue. And that issue is voting rights and democracy mm -hmm. because it's so important. And because there's a movement around the nation uh, from certain very conservative quarters that are seeking to undermine American democracy through voter suppression, through gerrymandering, through misinformation, through intimidation. And the report looks at that and issues a call to action uh, to fight back against any effort to diminish access to the ballot box, the right to vote, or fair, if you will, apportionment. And when you took a look at, you know, the variety of different types of voting and election legislation that's being rolled out across the country, in what ways did they specifically impact black Americans? Well, what's stunning is the scope. Uh, and maybe 400 bills have been introduced mm -hmm. since January 6th insurrection. Uh, let me give uh, an example of one that probably resounds not only with black Americans, but with the nation. And that is taking away the right to vote by mail. Mm. Uh, many, many Americans utilized that option in 2020. It met the lines in some places were still long, but not as long. It meant the administration of elections by elections officials was much smoother. Uh, it was an innovation, the expansion of access to the ballot box by way of voting by mail. Now states are taking that away. They are limiting early voting periods. They're creating new requirements for people who may vote absentee. Uh, all of these things, as well as draconian voter ID rules, uh, impact and are targeted at black Americans, in some cases, uh, Latinos, Americans who may have disabilities, uh, older Americans who may choose uh, to vote by mail because it's more convenient to them. This is an assault on the ballot box. It's needless, it's senseless, and it has accelerated uh, since uh, the insurrection of January 6th. Mark, you know, I think if you look at the, it's not all grim. If you look at the report, there are some improvements, but I think it also tells the tale of just how slowly change happens. All right. Uh, okay, we'll pick this up on the other side of the break. Back that up about 20 seconds or so. Or 30 seconds, we're going to continue this on the other side of the break. And then um, I had the uh, website up also for State of Black America is where you can go to National Urban League's website, uh, or you can just Google National Urban League State of Black America. You listen to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation WFDF. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Abundant Capital Group is a real estate investment company with over 20 years of experience in real estate. They specialize in two areas of real estate. One, they solve real estate problems with creative financing solutions that give the seller the most money for their property. And two, they show individuals how to get a higher rate of return on their investment capital with Real Estate Note Investor. If you are looking to sell or need to sell your property, here is what they provide. Market value offer, even if you have little or no equity, 
They typically pay all closing costs, which can be thousands of dollars. They close on a date of the seller's choosing, and the seller does not have to be out of the house at the time of closing. They take the property in an as-is condition, and the seller is not required to make any repairs. Give them a call or email them today for a free consultation and see how they can help you with your real estate needs. Call them at 973-475-8488. That's 973-475-8488. Visit their website, AbundantCapitalGroup.com. That's AbundantCapitalGroup.com. And email them at ACG at AbundantCapitalGroup.com. Follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Abundant Capital Group. STEM Forward, helping our community find their place in the emerging fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Join us for our monthly live stream on our website, stemforwardedu.org. Watch, subscribe, share. Also join our mailing list to stay up to date with STEM resources and opportunities. STEM Forward, the future is now. Watch, subscribe, share. Nine ten, the Superstation, Detroit's only African American talk radio. Welcome back to the African History Network show, right here on nine ten AM Superstation WFDF. All right, uh, visit our website AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, we have the information about the online history classes I teach on Saturdays and Sundays. Also, you can support the African History Network dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App, also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. This is our official Cash App account, uh, dollar sign the AHN show, S H O W. When you go to it, it says Michael and it shows my picture there. These other ones here are fake African History Network Cash App accounts. So I'm trying to get them shut down. There's some other fake ones out there also. We have our link here and then the, uh, yellow donate button for PayPal. And then on uh, Saturdays and Sundays, I teach uh, online history classes. Now, when you register for these, we have about uh, 10 sessions already archived for you. So you don't have to worry worry about joining us in class at a certain time. Next class is Saturday, um, April 16th, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school. We deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles, video clips, all of that. Um, the class is regularly $130. It's on sale $60. And once you register, you have full access. Even a year, two years from now, you can still go back and watch the entire class. We have a bundle pack where you can register for both classes for only $100. That's a $260 value. So uh, we have the information on our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And uh, I'll post the link here uh, as well. All right. I want to go back to this uh, clip here. This is from CBS News. This is Mark Morial uh, from today talking about the State of Black America Report 2022. Let's go back to the rest of this clip, please, Shakita. Henry, what, I, I like to use the caboose analogy uh, because in some cases, yes, is uh, the black high school graduation rate higher? is the black college matriculation rate higher it is higher than it may have been 30 years ago but the white rates have increased in some cases to an even greater degree thus the disparity 
of black Americans being the caboose on the American train. When the American train speeds up, conditions improve, but continue to lag behind that of white Americans. And that's really the story, not only of the report this year, but the report over uh, a period of perhaps the last 15 years where we've really been diving into the numbers. Uh, but the, the focus on democracy is very important. We paint a picture. Uh, we call it a plot to really undermine democracy, which has been underway now for over a decade. It's included efforts to overturn key provisions of the Voting Rights Act. It's included efforts in state legislatures. It's including blocking a reform legislation in the Congress. Uh, it's taken on many tactics, and it's included a narrative of a lie that somehow the 2020 election was fraudulent uh, and, and that the outcome is not the outcome that took place. And Mark, that, like I said before, that does not just impact black people in this country. That should be a cause for concern for everyone. No um, question, Emily. That's why this State of Black America report is a commentary on the nation. Exactly. So no there's, there's a lot to dig into. We can't even really, t we're only scratching the surface. Um, Mark, thank you very much. Hey, thanks, Emily. So you can read the National Urban League's entire report at uh, stateofblackamerica.com. Just head there. Why does okay, you can pause it right there. All right, stateofblackamerica.com. Uh, you can read it there. And, and we'll, let me see. Let's flip over to this right here. Okay. Let's flip back over to the uh, report. And right here state of, uh if you go to state of black america.com it'll uh redirect you to soba.iamempower.com and then uh you have it right here and uh what i did was okay they have the executive summary here 2022 executive summary okay and then they have a, you can download the pdf all right you can launch the e-reader also for it. You can launch the e-reader as well. And let's see, let's try to zoom in on this. Um, we're going to talk, we'll talk more about this uh, either Wednesday, Thursday, or uh, Sunday. Probably definitely Sunday because, well, no, we're not on Sunday because it's, Easter, so we're not on. So we have to talk about this some more uh, Wednesday. Uh, yeah, because uh, okay, yeah, because uh, Sunday's Easter, uh, resurrect or Easter, Easter, Oyster, Istar. Maybe I should do a presentation on the history of Easter. Okay, so check this out. All right, because um, it's not cooperating with me trying to center center this. Then you can look at. Uh, I had it up here. Okay. Uh, I'm going to download the PDF and okay. The PDF is easy to read. Let's look at the PDF version. So you can download the PDF. Uh, National Urban League does this each year. This is something fantastic that they do. I've been reading these since probably about, um, 1997 or something. I have an old state of black America report in the other room on, on the bookshelf. Okay. Under siege, the plot to destroy democracy. And that's what a lot of these white nationalists, white supremacists, uh, Republicans are doing. Um, 
a lot of them are, are rooting for uh, Vladimir Putin also. Many of them are in the pocket of Donald Trump, uh, the traitor in chief. So they have, they have the uh, table of contents um, under, about the state of black America, understanding the 2022 equality index from the president's desk, um, overview of the 2022 index, the legacy of the fight, Brennan Center report dealing with the attack on voting rights, uh, contributors, how to reclaim your vote, national urban league, uh, affiliates. So check this out. Okay. We'll talk more about this, uh, tomorrow. They, and they always have good graphics to really drive home the point to make it really easy for people to, uh, understand this. Okay. So that's something that I really like about the report. When you, when you read a lot of information on a daily basis, like I do, you, you want things to have charts and all this to, to make it really easier to uh, digest this information. All right. So check that out. All right. Now uh, let's go back to the article from uh, NBC News. We're going to clip two in just a second. Shakita from uh, CNBC. We're going to clip two in just a minute here. All right. Now let's go back to the article from uh, NBC News. And it was this one uh, here. Okay. This one right here. Okay. Educational gaps abound. Um, let's go, let's, let's go to that clip. Let's go to the clip from uh, uh, NBC, uh, CNBC. Yeah, let's go to clip number two, Shakita. What the revelations were and the highlights of this report were this year, um, and perhaps maybe some of the biggest surprises. Yeah, let me probably contextualize it. Most of our numbers, particularly so far as economics are concerned, don't include COVID, but I do have some thoughts about the impact of COVID. Uh, it's fair to say that the report uh, demonstrates that uh, there's been small progress uh, in closing economic gaps over the last several years pre-COVID, uh, but that the disparities that define the American economy the two-to-one ratio between black joblessness and white joblessness, the disparity in median household incomes, the disparity in wealth, remain almost locked uh, in some sort of suspended animation. And these are the great challenges that the American economy faces when it comes to uh, black Americans. Hispanic Americans uh, index very close to black Americans, maybe a little bit better, but still far uh, behind white Americans when we look at these indicators. I think what uh, a big question I know you want to ask is how about now? Uh, my observations about now is that the black unemployment rate, the jobless rate has come down uh, post COVID, but remains twice as much as the white uh, unemployment rate. And no doubt the impact of inflation is going to hit all working families and middle income families. And most blacks are either you know, working, working poor, or in, I call it the aspiring middle class, uh, it will impact them because the inflation impacts the necessities of life, food and fuel, uh, and therefore it will impact other things like clothing. So uh, those challenges are going to impact uh, black America, no doubt. And Mark, the question I'd ask you is, you know, in the aftermath of the murder of George Floyd, there were a lot of corporations that made a lot of promises, a lot of pledges, came out quite publicly about what they wanted to do uh, and the emphasis and priority they wanted to uh, put on, on black Americans in terms of employment, in terms of finding 
new roles for them, uh, higher roles in organizations for them. Do you think that that's coming true? Do you think that was just lip service? Where do things stand? I will tell you, for some, it has been a strong commitment with dollars and money and strategy. And uh, I think that I don't want to start calling the names of people left I leave some out. For others, it may have been a little bit of lip service and spin. And there were still many others who made no commitments. 2,000-plus publicly traded companies in America. Uh, I think that there were many of the larger companies who took these commitments very seriously. It's going to take three to five years. Uh, what I say to all of them is let's measure the success. Does your C-suite look differently? Does your workforce look differently? Uh, are you increasing your procurement with businesses owned by people of color? Uh, so I do believe that many are serious. I do believe that some uh, saw it as spin. I would argue and, 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 and suggest that what we need is a sustained effort uh, over a period of many, many, many years mm -hmm. uh, and sort of a rebalancing of our commitment and how we think about the future of American corporations and businesses. Okay. I'm All right. That's from CNBC today also. So this deals with renegotiating our relationship with corporate America, which is something one of my teachers, Dr. Claude Anderson, has been talking about for years. And it's going to take a – it's really going to take a generation of repairing the damage of a legacy of slavery, Jim Crow, segregation, redlining, housing discrimination, things like this. It's going to take a generation. It's not just going to be one bill. It's not just going to be one initiative. It's going to be a generation of this, a sustained effort and you have to measure it as mark morial was just saying we'll continue this on the other side of the break of this to the african history network show on michael and hotep we'll be back in a few minutes the work that i do is larger than the fashion industry it's larger than the art world and i believe that i was born to bring newness into this world i'm kaima mcintyre i'm 24 years old and i'm an artist I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Notori Naughton reached out to me. and She's like, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time. What does self-care mean to you? To us, it's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary, our handcrafted skin care and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation WFDF. Okay, the One Africa Power and Unity Conference is taking place uh, in Detroit at the Doubletree Hotel um, April 30th. 
and May 1st, 2022. Uh, I will be there as well. And there are going to be a number of uh, some of our great scholar warriors who will be speaking. Uh, Dr. Leonard Jeffries, who we had on the show last week. Uh, one of my teachers, Professor James Small, also. Uh, Dr. Chike Akua, Dr. Rosalind Jeffries, Dr. Jeffries' wife. Uh, we're going to have Asar uh, Imhotep, Infodushi uh, uh, Jehutimas, Dr. Malefe Keti Asante, who's the chair of the Af- uh, chair of the uh, um, Afro American Studies Department at um, Temple University, uh, Jabari Osazi, uh, Dr. Maulana Karinga will be doing a presentation. Also, you can join us in person. Uh, I just posted the link here on the thread of our broadcast. We're going to have this at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com also. Um, and you can also visit HapiFilm.com. You can join us in person. If you can't come in person, you can stream this live from all across the country. So they have the uh, option to stream it. Uh, we posted the link here. So check that out. You can register for that. And we'll see you uh, in Detroit. Uh, Hapi uh, presents One Africa Power in Unity Conference. Okay. Um, I want to go to, so there was a article from CNN today also that deals with the state of black America. We're going to clip three about the Brooklyn bombing in just a second, Shakita. So cue that up, please. Um, This article from CNN deals with the attack on voting rights. And it deals, it deals with the State of Black America report, but it deals with the section that deals with the attack on voting rights. Attacks on voting rights aren't slowing down and black Americans are in the crosshairs new report finds. OK, this is from CNN.com, April 12, 2022. Uh, some Republicans and far right groups uh, uh, attacks on voting rights in American democracy are making it harder for African-Americans to achieve racial equality, according to a new report from the National Urban League. The civil rights organization on Tuesday released the State of Black America report under siege to plot to uh, destroy democracy. Um, among, uh, among other things, the findings showed the social and economic status of Black Americans, how African-Americans felt about uh, social justice issues and reveal the various tactics uh, that make it harder for African-Americans to vote. Citing a record number of voters from communities of color using mail-in ballots, using mail-in ballots, the authors say partisan politicians in state legislatures around the country have drafted bills and passed laws making it harder for African-Americans to vote and, and they see no signs of the effort slowing down. They see no signs of the effort slowing down. Historic voter turnout in 2020, 2020 election sparked the beginning of one of the most insidious partisan attacks on voting rights in American history. The authors of the report write, uh, they go on to talk about uh, in Georgia, nearly 30% uh, in Georgia, nearly 30% of, of African-American voters cast their ballots by mail, by mail compared to 24% of white voters. A reversal from past behaviors, more than 1.3 million Georgians voted absentee. In 2021, 19 states passed 34 laws making it harder for African-Americans and others to vote by mail, 
uh, in voting, mail-in uh, voting, uh, making it more difficult. Now, also in the same Brennan Center for Justice Study, they talk about how 25 states passed 62 laws to make it easier to vote. So states where Democrats control the state legislature generally and also the governorship, they pass laws to make it easier to vote. But these critical laws like in Georgia and Texas, these voter suppression bills are detrimental. These bills uh, in Georgia, uh, with these 19 uh, states uh, passing 34 laws imposing strict signature requirements and reducing uh, polling place availability, according to the report. The report also reveals that this year, 2022, 18 states have already carried over at least 152 restrictive bills from the previous legislative session trying to get those bills passed also. Okay, combating the assault on voting rights should be the number one priority for African-Americans to ensure challenges and disparities that African-Americans face are dealt with uh, from the ground up. Mark Moriel said, well, I would say uh, voting rights and economic empowerment. It can't just be voting rights. You, we have to leverage our economics to enforce our political agenda. Okay, this is what's missing. That's why I said months ago. These organizations should have called for nationwide economic boycotts against these corporations, many of them in uh, June of 2021, who came out and, and, and supported the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. And then when you had a literal, uh, when you had a figurative lynching of John Lewis in uh, the Senate when his bill uh, couldn't get passed, okay, you had a figurative lynching of John Lewis, these corporations were silent. Go read this article here from NBC News. More than 150 companies back update to Voting Rights Act. This should have been an economic boycott months ago. Okay. Uh, targeting, you take five, six of these top corporations, have nationwide economic boycotts, not just African Americans. Voting rights cannot be a black issue. If voting rights is, is pegged as a black issue, you're going to lose in the Senate. This is why I said it was a mistake. Well, first of all, this, this article is from uh, June 14th, 2021. We've talked about it numerous times here on this show. This is why I said uh, on this show and on Roller Martin Unfiltered, I said it was a mistake to name the John Lewis voting rights bill after John Lewis. I love John Lewis. I know he wrote the majority of the bill, but you knew that Manchin and Cinema were not going to budge on the filibuster, okay, on changing the filibuster. We knew this. African-Americans only make up 3.5% of the population in West Virginia. They make up about 5.2% of the population in Arizona where, where Kirsten Sinema is from. We know no Republicans were going to vote for the bill. 16 uh, sitting Republicans in 2006 voted to renew the uh, Voting Rights Act, but they voted against the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and also the Freedom to Vote Act, which was Joe Manchin's bill. What they should have done is name the John Lewis Voting Rights Act after somebody like Susan B. Anthony, a white woman, and put the 19th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution at the forefront, as opposed to dealing with Dr. King, John Lewis, civil rights, Bloody Sunday, Selma. Dude, you, you, what you should have done is name is put white women's voting rights front and center, galvanize white women organizations, women's women's rights, women's reproduction rights, and and say. No, your vote is 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 in jeopardy, and then you pit you pit uh, Joe Manchin in West Virginia, and you pit Kirsten Cinema in Arizona against white women. Now they got to go tell white women we're not going to stand up for your voting rights. 
when you're only dealing with 3.5% of the population, because both of those states, the majority of the population are white people. And, 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 and white and women in general are about 51, 52% of the U.S. population. You, you keep trying to play a 1965 strategy. This ain't 1965. You got to be smarter than this. Okay, those watching on Facebook and YouTube, keep watching. We're going to keep going for a few more minutes. You can support us, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App. Also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Right now, let's correct your own behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. All right, stand by. Okay. Um, so read the uh article here from um read this piece here from NBC News. I talked about this when it came out. We've talked about it a number of times here on this show. All, all all these corporations now have amnesia and laryngitis. More than 150 companies back update to Voting Rights Act. Major businesses like Pepsi. Uh, Macy's, Ikea, and Nestle USA signed on to a letter supporting the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, okay? Now, a lot of these corporations help finance the same Republicans who are voting against these bills, blocking the protect, blocking the voting rights protection that, that we're advocating for, but also you have Latinos advocating for it, some Asian Americans, things like this. Voting rights can't be just a black issue. If you make it a black issue, you're going to lose. Yes, to the past, yes, to the past, the House of Representatives. The John Lewis Voting Rights Act passed in August of 2021. I think the vote was like 219 to 211. Yeah, it's going to pass the House. The Senate is what you have to worry about. This only, and, 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 and the Negro in the Senate, Senator Tim Scott, he voted against the voting rights bills. The Senate is a different story. The Senate, the, the, the demographic makeup of the Senate. The way the Senate structure is entirely different. You got to have a strategy to get the bill passed in the House and the Senate. More than 150 companies, including Pepsi, Amazon, and Target, threw their support behind updating the Voting Rights Act in a letter released on Wednesday. So this was Ju uh, July, July 14th, 2021, when this article came out. The signatories, all U.S. employers, urged Congress to enact the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, legislation that will restore a key provision of the 1965 law that was stripped out by the Supreme Court. So Shelby County versus Holder, U.S. Supreme Court case 2013. We talk about this in, in uh, the class I teach uh, on Sundays uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. And we look at what happened after Reconstruction ended in 1877 with the Compromise of 1877. And we look at the laws being passed by state legislatures and, and rewriting the state constitutions to not just segregate uh, uh, public transportation, but also to impose poll taxes and literacy tests. And in some cases, property ownership requirements to be able to register to vote to suppress the African-American vote. OK. And, and, and so there were about 2000 uh, African-American men who elected the public office during Reconstruction. They're going to get voted out of office because the African-American vote is going to be suppressed. This was the attempt by the white supremacists in these former Confederate states to take back control of uh, politics, take back control of uh, 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 statewide elections, uh, uh, the state legislature, different things like this. 
Okay, legislation that will restore a key provision of the 1965 law that was stripped out by Shelby County versus Holder, U.S. Supreme Court case of 2013. The bill would again require jurisdictions with a history of discrimination to get permission from the Department of Justice to make changes to their elections. That's what Section 4 of the Voting Rights Act did, the 1965 Voting Rights Act. The reason why you needed a 1965 Voting Rights Act is because of what happened in Mississippi in 1890. All this history is connected. Historical events don't happen in a vacuum. They are the culmination of a sequence of historical events that take place and lead to larger events happening. All right. Um, so when you look at uh, it was it was known as the Mississippi plan, the Mississippi plan and the the president of the uh, of the convention, uh, the Mississippi State Convention, the president of the convention, his name was Solomon Saladin Calhoun. OK, Solomon Saladin Calhoun. And he was a white county judge. And he said, we came here to exclude the Negro because African-Americans were the majority of the voters in Mississippi at this time. All right. And we know that the, the we know that the first African-American U.S. senator came out of Mississippi in 1870. Hiram, Hiram Rhodes Uh The convention's president, Solomon Saladin Calhoun, a white county judge put the voting issue bluntly. He said, let's tell the truth. If it burst the bottom of the universe, he said, he said, we came here to exclude the Negro. Nothing short of this will answer. So what did they do? The delegates eventually adopted a literacy test and poll tax geared to suppress the African-American vote in the state that had a black majority. Okay, we were, we were the majority of the population and a majority of the voters. The Mississippi plan became the model throughout the South, part of a raft of racially oppressive Jim Crow laws that ended Reconstruction. So the uh, now Reconstruction had already ended in 1890. Reconstruction ended 1877. What these laws did was reverse the progress that African-Americans made during Reconstruction. Reconstruction ended in 1877 and it was winding down 1874, 1875, 1876. 1874, uh, because you see, 1874 in the midterm elections, Democrats take back control of the House of Representatives, which then blocks the ability of Republicans to get bills passed, uh, many bills passed through uh, Congress and get signed into law. Okay. Um, Ulysses S. Grant is still president, but you're going to have Rutherford B. Hayes who's going to win the 1876 presidential election months later, he, uh, the Republican, and he's going to agree to remove the remaining Union troops out of the South, okay, which allows the white supremacists to take back control of uh, those uh, Southern states that had uh, uh, Florida and South Carolina, and there was one other one, um, th th that um, where they still had Union troops, okay? The Mississippi plan became the model throughout the South, so other southern states adopt what do the same thing that Mississippi did and rewrite their state constitution. South Carolina, 1895, Louisiana, 1898, Alabama, 1901. You're going to have Georgia, Oklahoma, North Carolina. They're all going to do the same thing. OK, this is why understanding this history is so important. So when you see these trends, and this is why I was warning people about. Um, well, even in 2016, I was saying we had to stop Donald Trump. I saw what was coming. If you understood Richard Nixon, 1968, when Richard Nixon ran on the platform of law and order 
and law and order was a backlash to, to uh, the civil rights movement, the black power movement. OK, uh, affirmative action, things like this. If you understood Richard Nixon, 1968, ran on the platform of law and order. Then when 2016, Donald Trump runs on the platform of law and order, you would have said, oh, you know, history may not re be repeating itself, but it sure as hell is rhyming. It sure as hell is rhyming. And we would have realized, no, Trump has to be stopped. The whole attack on critical race theory was launched by the executive order that Donald Trump did in September 2020 that attacked critical race theory being being taught to federal employees. That's where the whole attack on cr critical race theory is like 40 years old. That's where the whole attack on critical race theory started. This is why I was warning people how dangerous this dude is. Yeah, he's dumb as hell, but it's like he's dangerous and he has people around him. The, 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 the federal judges, that he nominated, he got 226 federal judges confirmed. And, and he, he got uh, one quarter of the federal judges confirmed that are on the federal bench now. He got one quarter of, of them confirmed. He reshaped the federal bench. These are lifetime appointments. Those people he nominated came from the, from the Heritage Foundation and the Federalist Society. Two ultra-conservative right-wing organizations giving him lists of who to nominate to put on the federal bench. Okay, so this um, article here, which one was I looking for? We got uh, that one, Mississippi plan, and then, oh, uh, okay, this one here, this deals with, the uh, one I'm looking for deals with what's behind uh, the whole attack on critical race theory. Um, well, this is one of them. This deals with the attack on critical race theory in schools. Okay. The other one I'm looking for, and I may have to go to my file on critical race theory because I have a file on a file folder on critical race theory. Critical race theory battle invades school boards with help from conservative groups. In towns nationwide, well-connected conservative activists and Fox News have ramped up the tension in fights over race and equity in schools, okay? Now, this is about a 16-page expose because I printed it out from NBC News that, that deals with the organizations that are behind um, the attack on critical race theory in schools, June 15, 2021, okay? And it talks about 165 organizations, these right-wing organizations that are organizing parents, okay, at the grassroots level, organizing parents, to go to school board meetings, act a fool, things like this, and also run for school board positions and run other people out of school board positions and take over these school boards. Conflicts like this are playing out in cities and towns across the country amid the rise of at least 165 uh, local and national groups that aim to disrupt lessons on race and gender aim to disrupt lessons on race and gender, according to an NBC News analysis of media reports and organizations' promotional materials. Reinforced by conservative think tanks, law firms, and activist parents, these groups have found allies and families frustrated over COVID-19 restrictions in schools and have weaponized, have weaponized the rights opposition to critical race theory turning it into a political rallying point. This is going to be huge in the 2022 midterm elections. Critical race theory, 
COVID restrictions, uh, banning books, uh, all, you, uh, parents' involvement in education. These are all going to be hot, bush, hot button culture war issues that Republicans are going to wa- Republicans are going to wage. So read this uh, article here. Well, this is a whole expose. This is like 16 pages. Okay. Critical race theory battle invades school boards with help from conservative groups. Okay. Now the other one I was looking for is it, it deals with um, how Trump initiated this. And I may have to go to, let's see, where is that? Do we have that still up? I may have to go to, um, Okay, hold on. Let me go to my file photo on critical race theory. Just to right now, that's the file photo on reparations. Hold on. Critical race theory. Okay, this is it right here. So there was a good article uh, that NBC News had. See, this is my file photo on critical race theory. Um, how Trump ignited the fight. This is what I want right here. How Trump ignited the fight over critical race theory in schools. Okay. This is from May 10th, 2021. How Trump ignited the fight over critical race theory in schools. It goes back to a September 2020 uh, memo that um, uh, Trump did. And this attacked uh, critical race theory being being uh, part of uh, training for federal employees. Let me pull this up. Read this one right here. How Trump ignited the fight over critical race theory in schools. Okay. So this is what I was warning people about in 2016. And explain to people how elections have consequences. Okay, there were four thousand people Donald Trump had to hire in the in in his administration. A, a presidential election is not about one person versus another person. It's about their policies and the traject the trajectory of the country that their administration will put America on. Which direction is it going? How will these policies impact people? These policies will have an impact whether you think they will or won't, or even policies you don't know exist will either impact us positively or negatively, generally speaking. Republican lawmakers across the country have proposed bills to ban critical race theory in K through 12 schools. Here's what that really means. So this came out May 10th, 2021, and it goes to, I want to go right to this here, right here. The proposed policies mimic former, uh, the trader in chief Donald Trump's September 2022 memo ordering the Office of Management and Budget to stop funding training on critical race theory for federal employees. He called it a propaganda effort. That's where that fight starts. With the, with, the, with the memo that Donald Trump did September 2020 as president, and then Donald Trump was attacking the 1619 Project, and then you're going to see that it's going to morph from there. And Republicans 
what they did was they took the, the phrase critical race theory re and redefined what critical race theory is and then just use it as an umbrella term to attack anything dealing with civil rights, uh, the teaching of, of history, the history of slavery, racism, white supremacy, things like this, all those issues that they don't want to talk about and don't want to talk. They just put all that under the rebranding of the of the name critical race theory. Around the same time, uh, dumbass Donald Trump condemned the 1619 Project a Pulitzer Prize winning 2019 New York Times report led by reporter Nicole Hannah-Jones that holds America was truly founded, not in 1776, but 1619, when the first enslaved people were brought to the 13 colonies, even though African people had been in this land at least 51,700 years ago. This is what, this is what Dr. David M. Hotep's book, The First Americans Were Africans, documented evidence breaks down. Uh, breaks down. Educators embrace this message and began utilizing the project and looking for resources to teach a more holistic history of the country. Donald Trump rebuked the project. He probably hasn't read it, okay, because he doesn't read. Donald Trump rebuked the project as a warped, distorted portrayal of American history, both the September 2020 memo and his attack on the 1619 project sparked the commission that he convened called the, seven, the, the, the 1776 commission. And they put out the 1776 report, which was meant, this was at whitehouse.gov. Luckily, uh, when Joe Biden became president, he took that BS down and he disbanded the commission, rightfully so. Okay. The, um, the commission was put together. It was meant to combat the contents of the 1619 project. The countrywide uprisings in the wake of George Floyd's death only fueled the matter with pundits debating the nation's fraught history of racism. Thus, although Joe Biden reversed Trump's initial ban in, in January, the seed had already been planted. This is what I was warning people about in 2016 because Donald Trump ran on culture wars in 2016 and people didn't see this stuff coming. Okay, so read this also, okay? Um, how Trump ignited the fight over critical race theory in schools. Now, there was a, um, let me see. What was his name? It was, uh, I think it was Mark Rousseau or... Um, Dealing with critical race theory, and he's one of the architects. Let me see if I can pull this up here, because I have the uh, graphic. Christopher Rufo, that's it. That's his name, Christopher Rufo. Okay, so September twenty twenty, Donald Trump does his memo. Uh, for the Office of Management and Budget, banning um, critical race theory being taught in uh, banning, ordering the Office of Management and Budget to stop funding training on critical race theory for federal employees. That was the September 2020 memo that Donald Trump did. This tweet right here helped to ignite 
the critical race theory um, attack, anti-critical race theory attack, and rebranded. Christopher Rufo, this this conservative, is one of the uh, is the, one of the people who really spearheaded this rebranding of the phrase critical race theory and, and what it means. He said the goal is to have the public read something, read something crazy in the in the newspaper, and immediately think critical race theory. We have decodified the term and will recodify it to annex the entire range of cultural constructions that are unpopular with Americans. This is this is a tweet from May 15, 2021. This is exactly what they did. This is exactly what they did. And people did not understand the connection between Donald Trump, who, who, who's a combination of Richard Nixon and George Wallace, who was the governor of Alabama, the white supremacist governor of Alabama. They didn't see these culture wars coming like this. All right. So this is what we're fighting against. And this is what we're fighting against in the 2022 midterm election, which is why elections have consequences. This is why they're trying to suppress the African-American vote, Latino vote, Asian-Americans, Native Americans. Okay, this is the fight for power. All right. So read um, the uh, the rest. Read, read those articles. Read this one here uh, from uh, CNN. We'll talk more about this uh, either Wednesday or Thursday. Attacks on voting rights aren't slowing down and black Americans are in the crosshairs, new report finds. Okay, so at the end of the day, you can only vote for your member of the House of Representatives and your two members of the U.S. Senate. At the end of the day, after all the pontificating ad, ad nauseum is done, okay, if you don't live in West Virginia or Arizona, you can't vote for Manchin the Cinema, and they're not even up for re-election in 2022. They're not up for re-election in 2024, all right? So... Everybody should go to congress.gov and all these bills that people say that they want, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act that no Republicans voted for, the only Republican that voted for the bill, put out a tweet, said he made a mistake and said he was going to change his vote. So no Republican, that that, that, that bill passed uh, 220 to 212 in uh, March 3rd, 2021 in the House of Representatives. The only people that voted for the bill were Democrats. And then it was sent to Tim Scott, Republican, who blocked the negotiation and lied and said the bill defund the police when it doesn't it actually funds the police. Senator Cory Booker said the bill spends millions more on policing. This is why a lot of these woke ass activists run around talking about defund the police, but they want the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. You do realize the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act actually funds the police. It does it in a responsible way. It does it in a correct way. It does not defund the police. It actually funds the police. Problem is people don't read. Because I hear a lot of these, I hear a lot of this stuff floating around. I'm like, y'all ever read what's in the bill and what the bill does? The bill funds the police. That's not me saying that. That's what Senator Cory Booker said, who helped write the bill. So this one uh, right here, where's my stuff on the uh, Jewish Floyd Justice and Policing Act? I just had it. It was, uh, okay, that's Brian Flores right here. This stack right here. Um, this is 
So what you can do, congress.gov, you can go here, you can look up all these bills. Most importantly, you can look and see who voted for the bill. If your member of the House of Representatives keeps voting for bills that you advocate for and want, why the hell would you let them get voted out of office? Because most likely the person that's going to take that place is going to be against that, especially if it's a Republican. Republicans overwhelmingly vote against all these bills. We don't understand how elections have consequences. And we don't understand, we don't understand the on the other side of the election, continue to push an agenda, continue to push to get these bills passed into law. Okay? The, you don't get everything accomplished in one term, especially a two-year two-year term. That don't happen. We have to understand that you have to protect gains that were made, and you vote people back in the office who vote for bills you advocate for. You vote people out of office who keep voting against your own interests. We don't understand how this is how all this is connected, okay? And we and many of us don't think long term. We just think one election to the next. No, this is long term. You build on successes from the previous election. You vote people in office back in the office to protect gains that were made and to continue to push your agenda farther. And you vote people out of office who keep voting against your own interests. These bills right here, this is at congress.gov. This is where you go to research bills. You can read all these bills. If you don't have time to read the bill, I understand that. You can read summaries of the bills. Most importantly, you can see, who, they tell you who voted for the bill, who voted against the bill. If your member of, of the House of Representatives or your two members of the U.S. Senate keep voting for, keep voting against bills, that you advocate for, why the hell would you let them stay in office and keep voting against your own interests and we finance our own dehumanization like that? Our taxpayer dollars pay that salary. Why would you let that stay in? Why would you let them stay in office? That, that's not logical. This right here, Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act. We talked about that right here on this show, the MORE Act. Okay? It was only three Republicans in the entire House of Representatives that voted for the bill. One of them, I think, is high half the time, Sugar Daddy Matt Gates out of Florida. His dumb ass voted for the bill. Okay? This, this bill right here will decriminalize marijuana at the federal level, but it will also expunge federal marijuana convictions going back to 1971. Gotta have a transformative effect. This, this bill ain't just about marijuana. This is an economic issue because a lot of African Americans or can't get certain jobs, can't get certain types of clearance, can't live certain places because they have these marijuana convictions. This bill right here, it has to it passed the House, it has to pass the Senate. You're gonna need 10 Republicans in the Senate to vote for the bill because you need 60 votes. So we don't understand how to connect the dots and how to push how to push these bills through on the other side of the election. The, the 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 election is the end of one process and the, and the beginning of another process. This right here has a transformative effect. People talk about George Floyd justice and police. Now we need to be pushing this bill through right here now. This already passed the House of Representatives. This bill right here. Uh, let me see. Uh, let me see. The Crown Act is another important bill that passed the, the uh, that passed the House. I think it was last month. We talked about that here on this bill, uh, on this show. And it was either, I think it was February, either February or March. 
Only 14 Republicans in the House voted for the Crown Act. There's over, there's over 200 Republicans in the House. They, the overwhelming majority voted against it. Why would you let them stay in office and keep voting against your own interests? Same thing for the Senate. So we have to, we have to understand strategy and be more strategic and understand how to get what it actually is we say we want as opposed to hashtagging all this BS floating around. Go to congress.gov and research this stuff. Okay, now, uh, I want to get to this last story very quickly here. What happened in uh, Brooklyn Day? We'll give you a quick update on this. Let me refresh the screen. Also, if you like this type of information, you can support the African History Network, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App, also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. So let's keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting. Even though I'm on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation WFDF, they don't pay me to do radio. I don't get paid. I never got a check from 9, 10. They don't pay me to do radio. Okay. They don't charge me for airtime, but there's a lot of work. They don't pay me to do radio. So if you like to stop for information, you find it valuable, you, you want to support us, you can do so through uh, uh, Cash App or PayPal, and we have the information at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, dollar sign, the AHN show, S-H-O-W. When you go to it, it says Michael and shows my picture there. These other ones here are fake African History Network Cash App accounts, and we have the link here also that you can click on in the yellow uh, PayPal uh, button also. Uh, we're celebrating our 12th year anniversary of me broadcasting the African History Network show. First broadcasted uh, March 10th, 2010. And my six-year anniversary of broadcasting on 9:10 a.m. Superstation WFDF. I first broadcasted in April of 2010, uh, April of uh, 2016, April of 2016. Register for the online classes uh, I teach on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, then the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade with a didn't teacher in school. Next class is Saturday, April 16th. As soon as you register, we have uh, 10 sessions already archived that you can already start watching. Classes on sale, $60, regularly $130. And then uh, Sundays uh, uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968, we have about 10 sessions of that already uh, archived also, okay? And next class of that one is going to be on the 24th because the 17th is uh, Easter, okay? So check that out uh, also. And we have the we have the bundle uh, where you can register for both classes for $100. They're regularly $130 each. That's a $260 value for $100. If you've taken any of my online classes in the past, uh, email me at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com, ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com, and um, you'll get a 50% discount. Okay, so I want to go to... Um, this next story here, this deals with the, let's see, do we have it? Uh, I want the one from, okay, live updates from, this is from uh, New York Times. They just updated, okay. They just updated. Okay, so, so far 23 people injured um, in the Brooklyn subway. Let's look at the live updates from uh, New York Times here quickly. And I want to go to this clip also from I want to go to this clip also from uh, 
from NBC News here. Just a second. Let's get that queued up as well. Okay, so police search for gunmen in attack on Brooklyn subway. Now, there's a person of interest right now. Uh, the person's name is uh, Frank James. He's African American. He's a person uh, right now. They're calling him a person of interest. And uh, a man set off uh, smoke grenades in a crowded subway car and then opened fire, injuring 23 people, the police said. They named a person of interest. Okay, people, uh, so Frank James, the man being sought by police, left a trail of troubling videos online. Uh, police named the person of interest uh, connected to the shooting. And let me grab this clip here. Let me cue this up. This is from uh, NBC Nightly News. Okay, let's get that uh, queued up. Uh, Mayor Eric Adams said we will not surrender our city to the violent few. A station security camera captured nothing as search for gunmen continues, uh, Mayor Eric Adams says. Frank James was quiet and gruff, his, neighbor, uh, his neighbors in, in Milwaukee said. Uh, so let's see. The police in New York uh, on Tuesday evening identified a man they called a person of interest, a person of interest. In the mass shooting on a crowded subway train in, in uh, Brooklyn during the morning rush earlier uh, on Tuesday, April 12th, that injured nearly two dozen people and five of them critically. OK, so right now the uh, uh, number is 23. The number is 23. Now, I, I thought I saw 29 earlier today uh, uh, today on MSNBC. The number here from New York Times is 23 that are injured. The police said the man, Frank James, 62 years old, allegedly had rented a U-Haul van in Philadelphia. A key to the van, they said, was found in a collection of belongings on the train that they believed belonged to the gunman, including a Glock 9mm uh, handgun, three ammunition magazines, a hatchet, fireworks, and a liquid believed to be gasoline, a, a liquid believed to be gasoline. Okay, so we've got that queued up. We'll go to the clip here in just a minute. Now, the police found the van abandoned on the street late Tuesday afternoon, about five blocks from the King's Highway Station, where they say the gunman had gotten onto the subway and five miles from the 36th Street Station where the shooting unfolded. Uh, Mr. James remains at large. Uh, James uh, Essek, the uh, police department's chief of, uh, chief of detectives, uh, said in a news conference at police headquarters, we are endeavoring to locate him to determine his connection to the subway shooting, if any, to determine his connection to the subway shooting, if any, Chief Essex said. Now, uh, Mr. James has has addressed has addresses in Philadelphia and Wisconsin. The police said he appeared to have posted dozens of videos on YouTube where he riffed off news events in long vitriolic rants. He he blamed black women for violence among black people and pointed to Russia's invasion of Ukraine as evidence that whites are genocidal. 
Shortly before 8.30 a.m., the police said a heavyset, uh, 8.30 a.m. Tuesday, April 12th, a heavyset dark-skinned man in a construction vest and construction helmet donned a gas mask as a crowded uh, north train uh, approached the 36th Street Station in the uh, Sunset Park neighborhood in train. Uh, toss, he, uh, he allegedly tossed two smoke grenades on the floor of the car and began firing the gun. 33 shots later, he fled. Okay, so they have uh, a, a map here, 36th Street Subway Station. Okay, so they have a map of the layout here. Now, 10 people were hit by gunfire. The police said five of the victims were critically injured, but none of their wounds were life threatening. The fire department said the 10 gunshot victims made the shooting, uh, made the shooting the worst in the history of, of the New York City subway. The 10 gunshot victims made the shooting the worst in the history of the New York City subway. Another 13 people. Let's see if we can uh, increase the size of this here. Okay, another 13 people suffered injuries related to smoke inhalation, falls, or panic attacks. So you had 10 gunshot victims, and you had 13 who were injured uh, other ways. Uh, they suffered injuries, smoke inhalation, falls, or gun attacks. Um the authorities are offering a $50,000 reward for the capture of the gunman. Now, the shooting came as the city was already struggling to cope with both a rise in shootings citywide and an increase in crime and disorder in the subway that has scared commuters from returning to uh, a transit system that saw ridership plummet during the COVID-19 pandemic. It set off panic and chaos uh, aboard the train in the station and the surrounding streets and sent schools in the vicinity into lockdowns that lasted much of the day. All right. So read the rest of this uh, from the New York Times. Uh, they have live updates. Police search for gunmen and attack on Brooklyn subway. Let's go to this clip here from NBC Nightly News. At 8.24, the morning commute turned to complete chaos. A gunman opening fire on a crowded rush hour train in Brooklyn. Panicked passengers rushed off subway cars. The injured lay on the platform. Blood everywhere. I saw maybe a 16-year-old kid. He was sitting on the steps on coming out the train station, and he had a bullet in his knee. That's a sort of uh, terror that, that I haven't seen before since 9-11. Police say the suspect was on this Manhattan-bound train as it pulled into the 36th Street stop. They say he put on a gas mask, then opened two canisters with smoke. He then opened fire, striking multiple people on the subway and in the platform. You can hear that gunfire in this video from the next car over, where Kenneth Footsmith was headed to work. We heard a loud bang and then followed by lots of screaming. And we see uh, white smoke starting to billow and fill up the train car and people running at the, the doors that separate the train cars and uh, you know, banging on them, uh, screaming for help, almost like a horror movie.
Conrad Adderer was in the station. Guy um, just came up to the, the station booth and he was, um, his legs are bloody. I basically made a decision to get out of there. Tonight, the NYPD says they have identified a person of interest, Frank R. James, with addresses in Philadelphia and Wisconsin. Officials say a U-Haul key found at the scene led them to James. A massive manhunt is now underway to find him, though officials say they don't know if he has a connection to the subway shooting. The suspect left behind a 9mm gun, a hatchet, and this backpack filled with smoke canisters and fireworks. Law enforcement sources tell NBC News the station's surveillance camera was not working. Officials don't believe the gunman said anything as he opened fire and say so far there's no indication of terrorism. We do not know the motive at this time, but we're not ruling anything out. At least 29 people were injured, 10 with gunshot wounds. According to the NYPD, all of the victims are expected to survive. Sunset Park is a vibrant, diverse neighborhood home to many Asian and Hispanic residents. The incident comes as the city grapples with rising crime, a major issue for the city's new mayor, who is currently quarantining with COVID. As a New Yorker, as a, a former cop, you know the risk of these subways, the vulnerability of these subways. Can they be properly secured? Yes, they can. We have done it and we will continue to do so. We are going to have a doubling of our patrol strength in the subway system. Tonight, the governor saying enough is enough. It has to end. It ends now. And we are sick and tired of reading headlines about crime, whether they're mass shootings or the loss of a teenage girl or a 13-year-old. It has to stop. Okay, so that is from uh, NBC Nightly News. Okay, that's at NBC.com. Uh, name of that clip is uh, NYC subway shooting. Eyewitness, eyewitnesses speak out as manhunt underway. And then you can check out this article here from NBC News. Person of interest named in NYC subway shooting that wounded 10, injured three. All right, look, we have to get out of here. Um, remember the African History Network, we focus on educating and empowering and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world, because right now it's correct your own behavior. Uh, be sure to register for the online classes I teach on the weekends. And as soon as you register, you can start what we have archived content. Start watching uh, the classes. We have the classes discounted uh, right now, and you can register for the uh, course bundle. We have the course bundle also. Uh, that's a hundred dollars. It's two classes. And that's a $260 value. So I'm going to post a link here. And we also have it at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can use this information with your children um, as well. I would say the content is PG-13, okay? But you can use this information with your children also. Um, I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles, video clips. We have a text chat so you can ask questions in class uh, also. All right. Remember, right now, it's correct your own behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. And we'll talk to you next time. Peace. Jeanette Davis is a well-established author with six published books. Black Survival in White America from Past History to the Next Century was published in 1995. And it delves into the history of African-Americans before slavery up to contemporary times. 
The Great Divide Between Blacks and Whites was released in 2008, and her autobiography, Black Just Like My Mama, was published in 2010. Soulful Journey, The Business of Beings, was released in December 2021, and her two latest books, Echoes from the Heart, Love Throws Poetry, and Master Being Human, were both published in January of 2022. Jeanette Davis' writings delve deeply into the psyche of black people from ancient to contemporary times. She cuts no corners and leaves no stones unturned in relating truth, letting the chips fall where they may on both African and European doorsteps. Order Jeanette Davis's books today at Amazon.com. Search for Jeanette Davis and get to know her work today. What does self-care mean to you? To us, it's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary, our handcrafted skin care and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com. STEM Forward, helping our community find their place in the emerging fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Join us for our monthly live stream on our website, stemforwardedu.org. Watch, subscribe, share. Also join our mailing list to stay up to date with STEM resources and opportunities. STEM Forward, the future is now. Watch, subscribe, share. The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry, it's larger than the art world, and I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre, I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Notori Naughton reached out to me. She's like, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time. Mental health and well-being have long been a taboo subject in the so-called African-American community. So I enlisted the help of mental health experts, thought leaders, and activists to help kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and heal from post-traumatic slave syndrome. We experience trauma a lot of times um, on a subconscious level. So sometimes something happens to us and we know that it's traumatizing, but we don't really recognize the extent of the trauma. They are emotionally constipated and emotionally obese. Because again, all the things that we experienced in childhood, we suffocated and we stored in our bodies. It's a time to kill and it's a time to heal. We've been haunted by the ghost of Willie Lynch and his doctrine of self-refueling trauma for too long. It's time for Willie to die. 
Die, Willie. It's die. Die. Speed of Ghost, L-O-X-D block. It's time to kill a ghost of Willie Lynch and get out the Matrix. Check out my man Ron Life Speaks at DieWilly.com.